Welcome to Recess Tonight. I am Rob. This is Alan. Um, hey, buddy. It's been it's been a beat, as the the kids say. Uh, I guess there's been a little bit of time since our last podcast. Uh, indeed, Rob the Boomer. Yeah, it's uh, what's happened since the last time. So the world's fastest vaccination campaign and creation happened. A um, couple of children entered the Recess Tonight family. Um, Large chain. children, like fat children, really. Yeah, two fat children entered the, the, the family. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, I and mean, don't get me wrong, like... The idea that I'm seeing you again is not what I would call pleasant, you know, <laughs> for me, but it's, um, it is something I've committed to. And if nothing else, I do like to see through commitments, like see them out. Your words wound. But today on our, what, our first show back, I think it's a good time for us to talk about what we got wrong and what we got right about the COVID pandemic now that the literature and the experience has started to mature a bit. Solid. I love it. Okay. So um, I think it's a really good idea to rehash that. So the question is, where should we start? Should we start? Hmm. Isolation. Oh, ISO, ISO. I like it. Okay. Let's uh, go. This is your baby. Okay. So remember back, I think we talked about PPE and contacts and, and what type of isolation precautions way back in, I believe it was like March or April, 2020. So oh things God. have clearly have evolved since then. Uh, there's been numerous um, papers that have come out in prestigious journals like JAMA, NEDGEM and The Lancet that looked at how COVID can be transmitted. Now, I remember back in March, we had we were following general um, large societal guidelines and what their evidence was saying about best types of isolation. I think we we even advocated for, you know, keep this as droplet unless you generate aerosols. But I think we can safely say now that um, COVID is probably aerosol plus droplet or I would actually probably even argue, is there even really a big difference between aerosol and droplet? Is it just spread? Is yeah, probably you know, the way it looks. It's interesting. In the emerge in the ICU, I was just going to fight you on that, but you kind of corrected yourself. I agree. Like, what, like, what's the difference realistically when we're talking about an aerosolization generating procedure, which by the way, I think is kind of an interesting term because you can, a cough when someone's just sitting there not doing anything is an aerosolized generating procedures, like theoretically, but you know, when you're intubating someone, when you're throwing them on BiPAP or CPAP, um, you know, obviously nebulizers are going to be a big no-no. But yeah, without a doubt, it's it's something to to be very aware of. And, and aerosolization, I think we should probably go with the airborne um, route there. So the N95 and the and the mask and and all that kind of good stuff to keep those small small little droplets out of our our airways. There was an interesting commentary paper that was published in the Lancet, I believe, in. May 2021, uh, where was a, a it, the the authors were well known, excellent epidemiologists and phenomenal um, uh, infectious disease physicians, among others, and they had argued that the uh, argued for the World Health Organization to change their stance from saying COVID is is droplet to aerosol, and you know honestly, uh, where where do we take it from here? That's probably the the big point. 
uh, is where, where, what guidance should we look at? I think at the end of the day, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. <laughs> As with most things. Yeah, totally. And you probably need to look at your local protocols, unfortunately, as much as you and I hate just saying the word protocol, but like your local guidelines and protocols are going to be hopefully well-informed um, by the current literature that's out there too. Yep. And just uh, and do your point of care assessments. If it looks like it's probably going to be aerosol, for example, if the person's not intubated, but they're sitting there coughing away, uh, right. And they're clearly infectious in this point. And you can see in their time frame, say they're like day five or, or so, or so forth in their illness and they're coughing away in the room. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the some policies would say wear just a surgical mask and eye protection, but really again, like you Rob, like you said, no one can really define what aerosol actually is and how it differentiates for droplets. So just, well, we're very lucky that we live in a place where we have access to PPE. So I would upgrade my PPE to wear an N95 in if I was in that room, even though it's not classically following a, a, a policy or procedure, it's my point of care assessment. Let the transcript note that Alan was using air quotes at different times during that, that <laughs> sentence. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next piece. How about prone positioning? I do not have my pop filter on, so clearly the p is really hitting. Uh, prone positioning. So why don't you do the intro to this? Right. So we talked about prone uh, position ventilation. Oh, I don't even I don't even know. Sometime last year. And we talked about the perceived trial and uh, and how it was it reduced mortality, how PPV reduced mortality among select uh, patients with ARDS in their uh, study. Um, now, if you haven't heard of the perceived trial, uh, please uh, have a look at it. It's one of those landmark critical care studies. Um, interestingly enough, um, there was a push for uh, awake prone ventilation uh, early at the outset, um, and. Uh, it's very interesting. Still, we don't have any rigorous data out there uh, looking at mortality morbidity rates, but uh, based on my uh, understanding of the um, evidence so far, it seems that, you know, it might delay time to intubation. Will it really reduce all cause mortality? I think that's, I think that the, that answer still evades us with the awake prone ventilation. I don't think it's the savior than I thought it would be. Uh, what are your thoughts there, Rob? I mean, I, I think I maybe I'm a little bit more positive on it. I think that there are definite benefits. If you can have an awake individual who is self-proning, who is delaying their intubation, I think there are some major benefits that are possible. So let's take out the just purely medical componentry of it, of, of you know, you know, oxygenation and ventilation kind of piece of it. And let's push into an ability to have a FaceTime call with family before they're intubated, an ability to um, maybe let's oxygen have a bit more of a calming effect on this individual, letting steroids do their work, um, that kind of thing. Sometimes buying that time can be quite precious. And yeah, I'm with you that I have not seen, uh, nor am I aware of, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist, any prospective trials on um prone positioning and the awake individual. However, that being said, might be ethically a difficult uh, trial to, to get off the ground. I mean, realistically, um, but you know, and this is pure anecdote. Um, I do have, I have a good friend who, who was awake prone um, whilst in the hospital and, and he, 
he said it gave him great relief. Um, and so, you know, is that purely anecdote and placebo? Maybe, but it did give him a few moments to have an extra FaceTime with his, his kids and all that kind of stuff. Um, he did well ultimately, but yeah, it's either the, the prospective kind of trial of that kind of stuff. No, it doesn't exist. And, and it's, it's something to, to be very aware of for sure um, that there isn't solid, solid data behind it. You know, uh, one could argue though, that based on what we know and self prone and really, I mean, if they're awake and they're texting, uh, everyone's seen photos of that before. I mean, the, the risk, the, the risk benefit of self pro awake prone is, is largely in favor of the benefit. So, I mean, I, it probably doesn't hurt to do it. And arguably I would say I'm still a fan of it. I'm still a fan of it partly because, you know, if you, it, <laughs> sorry about that. That's, that's a recess tonight with Alan, Rob and Lucy. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, back to um, self awake prone ventilation. Um, one could argue that the folks that fail awake prone ventilation, they were probably going to get intubated anyway. I mean, will we ever be able to control for those variables? <laughs> I would support anyone willing to um, submit a research proposal looking at that type of study. Um, I'm actually more curious to see what the uh, ethics proposal would look like <laughs> for a research study for that. Yeah, the stick handling around that would be pretty uh, yeah. interesting, but especially at this point in the pandemic, right? So, okay, um, so that's good. So we've walked through um, aerosolization and kind of PPE, and we have walked through awake prone. Are there any other places that you want to re-examine, Monsieur? Uh, you know, I think the one that's uh, worth uh, mentioning is the pathophysiology of COVID. Specifically, we talked about um, ARDSnet and how, like, probably the best way to ventilate these stiff COVID lungs is with ARDSnet and traditional time tested, you know, time proven ARDSnet care. I, you know, I'm still in favor of that. I also think that COVID is such a humbling heterogeneous disease that it's never, ever going to follow one pathway. So, you know, if we, if we think about those, like, what was that like a year ago, the L phenotype or in the H phenotype, Sure, maybe it's just an incredibly heterogeneous disease, um, and uh, it's just very humbling. I, I mean, I think we're trying to just put up, <laughs> stick it, define COVID. I think it's going to be akin to defining sepsis. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It's reasonable or defining our relationship, frenemies. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know how to define us. <laughs> Uh, okay, buddy. I like that. I think that's great. I think that's a pretty good uh, breakdown of kind of the bigger pieces that we were talking about so much. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's important to kind of do reflect back and, and look what went well, what didn't go well. I'm sure folks out there have different opinions on, on those pieces as well. And I bet you that is uh, different depending on your lens of how your country slash area slash hospital did during the pandemic. Um, we were very lucky where we live and that things were hard without a doubt, but they were not, um, complete back, completely backbreaking, so to speak. And I, and, you know, hats off to all those individuals out there who worked through, um, those backbreaking kind of, um, areas of the world, because it's, you were involved, you know, you were there for the care of those individuals and people don't forget that. And I, I'm sure that you are, 
Um, if you were listening to this and you were in those areas, you are completely spent and you are completely broken in some ways yourself. And I, I really do hope that you you are are doing better and and that you're able to to find put some peace with this stuff because it's this is a black swan event that man, I hope this never happens again, clearly, but like really, this had better not happen again. That would be utter bullshit. Yeah. Or not happen again like for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for tuning back into Recess Tonight. We'll be recording a few more podcasts over the next little while with some interesting topics and people. And we hope you tune back in. And if not, that's cool. Alan's mom's still listening. Um, She's cut our amount of money we get because she said we did a crappy job at the end of the last season, which, hey, fair criticism. Take the feedback. Um, But uh, take care, everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.